That's how I'm gonna start it. That stadium sound effect, don't you? That's the only one that they have. Like, <laughs> doesn't change your voice into like a robot. Yeah. How's it going, tiny dancers? And welcome back to another episode of the Buzzfeeds Podcast. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host Bo. And uh, today we're here to talk to you about interviews. Specifically online interviews, since that's kind of all the interviews that are going on right now. So It's all the jazz right now. Yeah, so hot. This is the interview season. We are rolling into November now, and at least in my residency program, interviews are full swing. Something I just want to say real quick is that just came off a step three grind, finished the exam two days ago. And I will say, not to toot our own horn, Bobby, but probably almost toot 100 it. questions. Oh, I'll toot it. <laughs> I probably got over a hundred questions correct, or at least I thought I got them correct, solely based off the content from this podcast and us making this podcast. So it just goes to show that this material kind of bleeds over across multiple exams. And if you learn it well once, um, it's likely going to help you in the future. So multiple times, whether it be, you know, the RET versus MEN1 mutations, endocrine physiology, uh, cardiac issues, whatever you have, like lithium, Epstein's anomaly, like things that we've discussed multiple times here. Um, that all popped up on step three, and I was smiling as I was answering that question because I could imagine our conversation uh, regarding that content in real time. So I thought that was very cool, very helpful, and just something I wanted to say to the audience. If you learn, if you learn, and this goes for step one as well. If you learn the information well once, it'll suit you for the for the upcoming exams as well. Well, you heard it here first. Medicine is medicine. Some might even say it do be like that sometimes. <laughs> So as Bobby said, we have a fantastic episode today for y'all regarding the interview process, specifically just the nuances of an online interview. But before we jump into it, Bobby, what are you drinking today? So I am drinking another uh, Ohio beer. It's by platform. It is the Yule Jude. It's an IPA with hmm. natural flavors. Interesting. What natural flavors would that be? It says uh, Yule Time Cheer, Winter Spiced. And then tangy, which doesn't really seem to fit with the other two, but we'll see how it Interesting. is. Interesting. I'm interested to to see what cheer tastes like. You know. Yeah, I've never had cheer in my life, so let's see if uh, I can get it from these beers. It's like the uh, candles at Target that are like, uh, this this uh, smells like a shooting star. <laughs> You're just yeah. like, how, how does anyone know that? Or like the Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> candle. <laughs> or Serenity by Jan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. I don't think a lot of people have watched The Office, so I don't know if anybody's going to get that reference. Oh, yeah. If you like The Office, start following our TikTok because we were starting to make a lot of Office spoofs, kind of the link between Office and just kind of medical memes. Uh, and So far, some some do better than others, but it's getting there. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people say, uh, you know, Scrubs or maybe Grey's Anatomy um, or like ER or why I went into medicine, but I went into medicine because of The Office. So, yeah, I think it's you. the uh, No Stress episode. I think it's season four, season five. Someone correct me where, of course, uh, they're doing CPR on the dummy after uh, Dwight has the fake fire drill and Stanley gets a heart attack and uh it was like that moment i knew like okay medicine is for me yeah and i personally i've received uh quite a bit of uh, kudos on my cpr skills and i don't know about you but i didn't really pay attention to my acls or bcls classes it's all from that episode of the office so yep so we got to pump at 100 beats per minute that's kind of tough how many first is that i was hour? afraid <laughs> i was petrified first i was afraid i was petrified <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that song. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, that's a shout out to our talk, TikTok, talk tick, you know, some of the buzzwords. So uh, I'm drinking the spicy piña michelada. Now, I wish I could show you this. Uh, it's by Golden Road Brewing Company. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Okay. So the <laughs> beer that I had last time was the spicy mango, and this is the spicy piña. So it's made with clamato too, which I think is that tomato drink, that yeah. like kind of Hispanic tomato drink. So it's got a couple things going for it, but I saw it in the store and I thought hey, that'd be interesting. But it's got the same cart that the spicy mango had, just this time with some pineapples around it. So we'll see how that goes. Yep. Shall I we do it? Say this sounds like a a Groundhog Day of your last beer, but it almost is. All right, shall we do it? Yeah, let's crack them. Ow, I bent my nail backwards. I hate when that happens. Dude, have you even dislocated your toe? Uh, I have actually, yeah. All right, guys. So we all know that the dreaded interview process is a stressful one. So, Bobby, I have a couple points I want to address with you and, and see kind of what you think about uh, what we should consider that's strictly unique to the online interview. So, Bobby, how important do you think someone's wireless connection is for an online interview. Do you think it's like something that people should consider? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, the majority of home internet plans these days are fast enough that you don't really have to worry about the uh, bandwidth for the quality of your uh, interviews. But uh, at least in my experience, we live in a, a pretty old multi-story house and our, our router's down in the living room and the office where I, you know, stream Zoom lectures and stuff is actually up on the third floor. and uh i was having issues with it cutting out so frequently and like audio being delayed and weird issues and like my zoom would even just crash sometimes that i actually invested in um i bought a, a hundred foot long ethernet cable and just ran it up from our our living up to the, the third floor office and i mean that's lower like zoom classes are or whatever but interviews are substantially higher stakes so i think doing pretty much anything that you can to uh, smooth over the experience for both you and your interviewer is probably worthwhile. Definitely. I would, I would kind of echo that, that most people should be fine, but maybe a couple weeks or a couple days before your interview, go into like speedtest.net or one of these other websites that tests your internet speed and just see how it's going. See if, you know, if you're in a situation like Bobby is where you know that there's some shaky shakiness and there's some instability try to invest in something prior to the interview day or interview week to make sure that you at least have 
some stable connection, whether it be an Ethernet cord or a new location where you know that the internet connection is a little bit more consistent. Uh, yeah, I think you bring up a good point with the speed test thing. The other thing to consider is that speed generally isn't the issue, but it's actually latency, which is the amount of time that it takes for your router to send the information to and from the computer. Um, hmm. And for anybody who's ever played, you know, online games where seconds count or milliseconds count, uh, having the lowest latency possible is uh, extremely helpful. And for anybody who's been on a phone call or, I mean, recorded a podcast where there's a little bit of lag between uh, what you say and what they say and there can be, be potential overlap as a result, like trying to minimize that as much as possible is going to make your conversation just seem more natural and go more smoothly. So the biggest way to improve that actually without changing service providers or whatever is to have an actual wired connection because you don't have to spend the time for your router to convert the information into wireless waves and then your computer converting it back into, you know, actual internet stuff. It's just the direct connection. So definitely. And what do you think about one's computer's abilities? So my MacBook, for example, um, the storage is pretty much shot. Uh, it typically, you know, will crash with uh, multiple tabs open, yada, yada, yada. What does someone like me do come interview season time to optimize this? Well, I mean, it's 2020, so the majority of <laughs> phones and computers and stuff that you can get these days shouldn't have much problem with a, you know, video stream or running Zoom. Um, the main thing, I guess, would be just to make sure that you have enough storage space on your computer that it's not warning you that you're out of storage because sometimes that space can be used as like a kind of a working memory if the RAM is full or something else is going on and could make right. your computer more, more prone to crashing. Um, I think something else to consider would be you want to make sure that your computer is powerful enough that the fans don't start ramping up just from having Zoom open. Uh, it can be <laughs> extremely distracting if you're especially if you're using your onboard microphone uh if the computer fan turns on it just sounds like you're in a wind tunnel so yep so i think that's a great point i think at least if i was about to take an online interview or have an online interview i would be nervous about my computer's abilities i would test it multiple times with whatever software they were going to use to run the interviews i feel like at least at my residency program they're using zoom which is reassuring since Zoom seems to work most of the time but I would even go as far as to have multiple computers and or my phone there as a backup in case something went wrong. And God forbid, I mean, it's it's already not a good sign if your computer crashes, but uh, it's much better to have a backup that it's going right away versus, uh, you know, stumbling, fumbling around, not having anything. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, a lot of Zoom, if they are using Zoom, but a lot of like video conferencing software also has a, a phone option where you can call into the number to rejoin. So even just having that phone number maybe typed in on your phone kind of on standby in case your computer cuts out where you can just call them up and be like, even if you're in the middle of the interview, just be like, hey, sorry, my computer died or like whatever happened. Like, I'm still here. I'm trying to get the video back up. But in the meantime, like you can continue the interview while you're troubleshooting it. Definitely. Good point so far. I'll drink to that. Cheers. So uh, for those of us who are maybe not super aesthetically gifted, what are your thoughts on uh, web camera quality? I have a MacBook, and so I have the built-in MacBook camera. Mm -hmm. And 
I feel like it's it's not ideal. I feel like it's okay. But at the end of the day, I would prefer a better camera than the standard built-in MacBook camera for an interview. Mm-hmm. And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe that's just a little over the top. But I think, like you said, with the latency, just if you're looking at someone across the screen and you're trying to make this the most human kind of conversation possible, if they're blurry, if their picture keeps breaking in and out for whatever reason, I think um, it just really takes away from from the interviews. So I would say if you're going to use a camera that's built into your computer, at least practice or play around with it initially and see what it looks like and see if it's up to your standard, if it's something that you'd be happy with if you're on the other side looking at an interviewee. Yeah, definitely. And I would just say the majority of computer cameras that are like built-in webcam these days are 480p is less common, but still found on some. And then 720p camera quality is typically more common. Uh, you can get a 1080p webcam for like $25, $30 that will look substantially better than your built-in camera. Uh, some people say maybe you should even get a 4K camera. Those are a little bit more expensive, but are not really that much more expensive but the issue is that you start running into bandwidth limitations either with your connection or there so 1080p is probably the sweet spot in terms of price to performance for how how good you'll look on video price for performance i like that and i just think i'm looking at uh, i was looking at this one tiktok today and it had like a million something likes on it and it, it was just this girl just like standing there in the street and really nothing nothing that crazy nothing that special but the camera quality was insane. Like she was super hyper sharp and the background was like the classic like portrait background, a little fuzzy. And I think just because it looked so cool, a lot of people really enjoyed it and liked it. It had much less to do about what she was doing or who she was and more so about just the picture itself. So if that's Definitely. anything about. <laughs> Definitely. I would hope that's not too big of a factor during interviews, but again, for anybody who's taking a psychology class there's definitely the halo effect where people who are more attractive are generally rated more positive in a ton of other categories even if they've never actually been directly observed by that person in those categories so uh you know anything you can do to make yourself look good figuratively and literally during the interview is probably worth pursuing especially if you consider the amount of uh financial investment that you have put in to get to this point and have shelled out for interviews you know, an extra $100 even on uh, equipment to make sure that your interviews go smoothly is kind of a drop in the bucket at this point. What do you think about, like, putting on a filter right before the interview and just having, like, this, like, looking like a, a cat the whole time? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I love Snapchat filters, you know. I want the FBI to have a, a copy of my face for facial recognition purposes, and I think you all should too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, face filters are great. Cats... One of my favorite ones is it's it turns me into a pumpkin. Um, might not be as topical by the time you're having interviews, but it was really great during the month of October. So definitely, uh, maybe sure this month well. it could turn you into like a peanut or something. <laughs> Why a peanut? With like a cross through it <laughs> because it's like no nut November. Perfect. I thought there's gonna be a Christmas reference or a Thanksgiving reference, but we went there. I love it. Well, the Christmas references are are next month. Yeah, I guess it could be like a turkey. All right. And so kind of across those same lines, what do you think about mic quality? Are AirPods enough? Are built-in computer mics enough? What do you think? So 
I would actually caution against both of those options. Your built-in computer microphone is going to pick up everything in terms of the noises that your computers are making. So if your fan does ramp up, it's going to hear it. If you have a solid-state hard drive, it won't make any noise. But if you have a traditional hard drive, you'll hear the platters spinning up and clicking and clacking around. If you touch the desk at all or bump your desk, it's going to be amplified into the microphone because your computer is sitting on it. So I would recommend against using your computer microphone if possible. The alternative that you mentioned, AirPods, uh, are not great based off of how the communication protocol works with like current generation Bluetooth. The microphone quality decreases substantially when you're also using them to listen. So that's why I don't know if you've ever been on a phone call um, or used like your AirPods over Discord or something. It sounds much worse for you and it sounds worse for them than if you're using it just as a microphone or just as headphones. So I would also caution against using like a Bluetooth system of uh, your microphone. Now, that doesn't leave a whole lot of options left. You can get pretty cheap lapel microphones that kind of clip to your lapel or lavalier mic is another term for them um off of amazon that have pretty good audio quality but you have to be cons like you can't move around too much or they'll pick up your shirt noise um and then the other option would be shelling out maybe a little bit more for like a external usb microphone or really top of the line would be a external microphone with like a amplifier but that's probably overkill so yeah there's a few options there so if you had to choose if if you had your normal earbuds that you normally use for music, among other things, and you had your computer mic, which of those two would you use? Well, if I had to choose, if I had both of those as an option, I would probably use my uh, Bluetooth headphones as my output and then use the computer mic as the input, uh, just so that the microphone isn't picking up any interference. Like if you're going to use your your computer mic, so be it. But uh, if you have headphones in, then it's not also picking up the interference from them talking, like over the speakers. Right. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. So I think, I, and Zoom is pretty good about this, about like letting you select your input and output. So people can play around with it and see uh, what works best for them. And if maybe someone's at home and they have, you know, AirPods and they have their computer mic and they have their Bose headsets and they have whatever, you know, their plug-in, their plug-in cord and headphones they can play around to see which one is best for them ultimately i don't think appearance wise it matters i think everyone understands that different mics come in different flavors and uh, i don't think anyone should be based or anyone should be judged based off what their mic looks like for the most part definitely i mean you said mics have different flavors and i would just caution that if you can taste your microphone you might be a little bit too close to it and should ease off a bit but besides definitely. that i completely agree what does your mic taste like right now tastes cheery surprisingly so kind of along those same lines, Bobby, about uh, your mic performance and then also about kind of the camera quality. If you're interviewing with someone and let's say that they're, you know, the admissions committee or even the physician that's interviewing you and they look behind you and look at your background, what tips do you have for someone? Should someone have it be incredibly interesting? Should they have books behind them? Should they have their guitar behind them? Should there be posters behind them? Should it be a blank wall? What are your thoughts, ideas, tips? I would say having maybe a bookshelf or something maybe not like a full height bookshelf but like a half height one or whatever in the background with some books on it is probably okay besides that i would probably try and keep 
a relatively clear background wall. You don't want to do anything that's distracting. Um, and I think along those same lines, using like the built-in virtual backgrounds is not a good idea because unless you have a green screen, um, it doesn't do a very good job of differentiating you versus the background. So you get all these weird edge effects and stuff. And I think that it can be very distracting um, from the interview content uh, if you have that going on as compared to just having like a relatively plain background. Yeah, I agree. I had somebody in my class who had a green screen and was able to do the background effects and the background was like some fancy office room and it looked really good. So if you can if you can pull that off where it looks like very professional, more power to you. But I feel like most people should stick with a real background that is relatively simple, uh, a couple books, you know, a simple room, nothing too flashy. They're there to interview you. If you do have something that they that they acknowledge, that's fantastic. But I don't think that's the point. Yeah, you're not gonna get accepted because you have like a cool zoom background and something else to consider is because it's doing like computations it um is more likely to make your fan spin up and stuff since it's harder on the computer to try and process it's doing image processing to make that background happen so and something else to consider is like in my experience i feel like whenever i see somebody with a zoom background on i'm not thinking about how cool the background is i'm thinking like what are they hiding like what what is their actual background look like you know hmm most sus. Yeah, definitely sus. I think uh, probably the most important part of the setup that we haven't brought up yet either is lighting. What are your thoughts on lighting, Bo? Hmm. What about a nice ring light? Really brighten the face. Everything that those uh, influencers use nowadays. Yeah, I think they're a good idea. I actually have one for uh, Zoom interviews and uh, lectures. I mean, fortunately, at this point... Uh, I get to be camera off for most of my lectures. So I don't really have to dull myself up at all for class, but um, they're a pretty affordable investment. You can get them in the like 20 to $25 range that come with uh, like multiple color adjustments for like warm versus cold lighting and a whole different uh, series of brightnesses. One thing that I would recommend is if you're going to get one, I, I think the smallest ones I've seen are like six inches. You probably want a bigger diameter just because the, smaller ones it's kind of like shining a flashlight on your face and for it to look good on the camera you want a little bit more diffused lighting so a slightly bigger ring light i would say 10 to 12 inches they're not really that much more expensive like a few dollars more so it's definitely a worthwhile investment um and then if you really feel like getting fancier like the lighting in your room is otherwise terrible so you really have to do everything you can you can actually look into i think it's called like a box light or like a, a soft box where if you've seen any like photography shoots they use them quite frequently that that will put off like a big kind of diffuse um field of light onto you which tends to be probably the best way to get a good uh exposure and stuff for your your webcam yeah i like to use the sun that's my box light well not everybody has windows where they live so but people could step outside yeah, doing interviews out on the streets, uh, definitely a good way to go. It shows because every, let's be honest, everybody's going to have hiking as one of their ERAS hobbies. So prove mm -hmm. it. Do the interview <laughs> while you're hiking on your phone. 
Did you see that meme on Reddit where it was like, imagine if everyone that said they hiked on ERAS like actually did? Yeah. <laughs> like all the trails would be absolutely <laughs> full. Just packed 24-7. <laughs> yeah, I think those are all great points. I don't know. If I was interviewing, I don't think I would think about getting a light. I would definitely pick a place where uh, if there was lighting within the room, it would be hopefully front-facing. Maybe I would add a lamp onto my table. I would try to pick a place where the window light can hit my face and maybe it's um, maybe not direct, but at least kind of brightens up the room a little bit more. But definitely lighting in general is something you need to consider because it is just as important as what's behind you for sure. Definitely. And something you don't want to do is have like a light bulb directly behind you. It's okay to have like lighting behind you that's off screen. But if you have a light bulb or something right behind you, it's going to make you look terrible because oh, the, exactly. the camera will, will overcorrect for the brightness and then you'll come out dark and it'll look all weird. Yep. All right, Bobby, so let's say let's say it's interview day and you're getting ready and you're brushing your teeth and you're looking in your closet and you're thinking, what do I wear? It's an online interview. I have this nice, beautiful, full suit, but I'm just, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to sit in like these pants for four hours. Are you going to put on a full suit or are you not? So in the past, I would have said no, but I actually got burned by not doing that. So, uh when the pandemic was first happening we had to our our in-person clinical rotations actually went online and we always had oskis at the end and so instead of having a normal in-person oski we did an on an online oski where like we called in over a zoom lecture and tried to do a physical exam over zoom and stuff it was not really worked out super well at that point so it was kind of a mess but uh during one of them i we ha we did them over a couple of days and the first day I wore like full professional attire and then I never really had to get up and I had the bright idea of just wearing a bathing suit the next day, like with my white coat and stuff. And I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but I had to stand up at one point and uh, it was quite obvious that I was wearing a bright neon pair of board shorts with a white coat and I got some comments on, on my evals <laughs> for that. So I would definitely say, yeah, it's uncomfortable to wear pants, uh, especially if you feel like you're not actually going to have to show them. But I think it's worth it just to not run into the same uh, situation that I did. Nope, 100% agreed. I think for what's at stake, uh, a little bit of discomfort, and really it shouldn't be too uncomfortable, is well worth the potential. I mean, I think some interviewers would even do it as a test, you know, ask, oh, what's that book behind you? Can you grab it? Or Oh, there's a guitar behind you. Can you grab that? Yeah. And to see, just to see what you're wearing, to see if the person that I'm interviewing is so devoted or, or thinks or wants to come to this program enough that they'll, that they'll <laughs> be wear willing pants. to do the simple thing <laughs> to wear pants. Because yeah. if they're not, that's like, I don't know, maybe it's a red flag to some people. Maybe it's a sign of disrespect to some people. Maybe some older generation people don't understand um, yeah. or don't, don't look on that fondly. So Definitely. I would say... 100% what you said is just wear the freaking pants. It's like a couple hours and God forbid they ask you something where you need to show your bottom half and um, you ruin those chances uh, immediately. Yeah. Well, if you think about it relatively too, I mean, wearing pants for a few hours is substantially more comfortable than having to like fly all around the country for traditional interviews. So. All right, Bobby. So let's say, and this is, this is going to be hard for you because you're pretty calm, cool and collected, but let's say you have a little bit, you're a little bit more of an anxious person and you stress a little bit more easily 
especially when it comes to performance and things like, uh, you know, speeches and presentations and interviews. And so oftentimes when people ask you questions, questions that you may know and questions that you may prepare for, uh, you stumble over your words and you kind of, you know, your mind goes blank among other things. With the luxury of an online interview, it, in theory, the interviewer can't see everything in your room. And so what do you think about, let's say I have my computer screen open and they're obviously looking at me through the camera, but I have sticky notes or s virtual sticky notes on my computer screen with questions and prompts and notes that I've written to myself. Do you think that's appropriate? Well, you know, I think the thing is, is it's inevitable that a lot of people will be doing that. My question would be, you know, if you really need sticky, like you're talking about yourself for the interview. So if I was an interviewer and I saw somebody like glancing away from the screen or like glancing up to look at something to read some pre-canned response when you're talking, mm -hmm. when they're talking about themselves, I would have some concern that maybe they're not being completely honest or are, are not really, you know, telling the truth. So I don't know. I think if you really have to rely on them, it's okay. But I would also advise people to just do more, like do practice runs. Like these interview questions that you're going to get asked aren't uh, rocket science. Like they've been asked before. There's plenty of online resources where people run through different interview questions and stuff. Like just do some practice runs with people. If you really think that you're a super nervous person and you have them there just as like a, a safety blanket, then sure. But I would, I would advise against relying on it too heavily. And uh, another note is if you are a super anxious person or you have performance anxiety or whatever, it's pretty easy to ask your PCP for a for Pranolol script, which will help kind of take the edge off during interviews and public speaking and stuff. There you go. We're not medical professionals and we do not give medical advice, but please seek out your PCP. I'm not even in we med school, technically. But. <laughs> yeah, I, had a, uh, I saw someone at my step three exam uh, take some albuterol take a couple posts of albuterol and then take the propanol right after wait doesn't albuterol make you super like jittery though because it's a beta 2 agonist isn't it right so i don't know what's going on but the propanol is clearly for like social or not social but performance um anxiety they're like an anxious person and before yeah. their step exams are taking propanol but like for some reason they also need to breathe so like <laughs> they take the kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place there <laughs> yeah i would agree with you that Although the teleprompter effect, which is kind of what I'm calling it, uh, trademarked, is... I don't think you can te trademark teleprompters. I think these already exist. No, the teleprompter effect. Uh, look it up on Wikipedia. Just kidding, don't. So I think it, it would make sense if more so for like a medical school interview where maybe there's like classic behavioral health questions, or I'm sorry, behavioral questions where it's just like, okay, there's like uh, you and, and you and your friend have like this issue and how would you resolve this and blah, blah, blah. And like, you have like 10, 15 stories like that you've prepped beforehand, but now you just kind of have them written out on the screen, maybe just like the first line of each one. So you can remember them more easily. So you're not like stumbling over your words and you can just find it. Maybe that makes more sense. But based off my experience for residency interviews, they're very chill. They're very much about what you've done. The most difficult place I went to was a, a location in Florida where the questions were very behavioral-esque and nothing 
I had would have written down would have helped me for that you know like like what do you think defines disparity in medicine <laughs> like what am I gonna do like google that like in the moment yeah have an like, essay no. pre-written and then just read it off like they're gonna know <laughs> uh disparities in medicine uh, uh yes disparity <laughs> I think if anything it'd make you just more stressed out because you'd be yeah you would you would slip up and you'd be looking at it and you wouldn't like you wouldn't be confident in yourself there's something about not having a handicap that makes you just a little bit more confident I mean the thing is, is if you're listening to this podcast now you have achieved you know the majority of your life to get where you are if you're in med school listening to this you you know it's not like this is the first time you've gone through interviews so yeah i would just rely on your previous experience i mean it's easy to be a neurotic med student we all are at some point but um i would think that residency interviews which are more just about getting to know you as a person and make sure that you're not a psycho so that they can put up with you for the next however many years are going to be more laid back and just kind of conversational than the med school interviews were, which were a lot more like, like you said, behavioral-esque and like MMI and stuff. Like, I, you're not going to have to worry about that. So yep, just relax. So I have another point that I want to bring past you. It's about looking at the right place. I feel like this is something that we may not even need to discuss too much, but just kind of this common sense that it's sometimes lost. But when someone comes up on your screen, you tend to look at them, which is fine. But do you think it it would be better if, if you're on an interview, should you be looking at the person on the screen or should you be looking straight into the camera? So you have to look straight into the camera, especially when you're talking. It's okay to look at the person when they're talking to you. Uh, but even then, I would do quick glances up back at the camera. I know it's like not natural. You know, usually when you're talking to a person, your eyes are drawn to their eyes. So it's easy to not be staring, you know, down the whole time. But that same, you know effect doesn't really happen with the camera but it's super important to make sure that you're actually looking at the camera when you're talking to them and periodically when they're talking to you definitely i would 100 agree and that just takes some practice and some mindful conscious thinking when you're during the because it's so easy to slip and, and start looking down definitely and then same kind of thing in regards to cameras and angles what do you think about writing notes normally i think yes go ahead write notes during an interview i think it even shows some interest but if your camera is angled to the, maybe it's like your neck up and then all of a sudden you're writing notes and your head is now tilted down and it almost <laughs> could kind of look like you're snoozing. Yeah. Um, I, the, the ways I thought about remedying it is initially at the beginning of the interview, uh, explain that you want to write notes and they'll be more than happy to let you do that. And then also potentially uh, before the interview even starts working with the camera angles so that maybe some aspect, whether it be a hand with a pen in it or a piece of paper on the desk, um, are in view so they can see what you're doing and they know that you're not just looking down at your phone or, or taking a quick snooze. Yeah, something else you can consider. I think, like you said, it, it can make you look like you're disinterested or like not paying attention. Um, something to consider is if you have a computer that has a second monitor and you're proficient at touch typing, like you can have a text document open on the other screen and just be mm -hmm. typing into it with like, just don't look at it, just type. Yep. Um, and then you can refer to that as notes after. Alternatively, um, this is probably a little bit harder, but something I did a little bit in college is you can learn how to write. It's not going to be super legible or like easily understandable. <laughs> You're not going to be able to write a full essay, but you can write on paper without really looking at it. So it's also something you can potentially do. It just takes a little bit of practice. You could become. You could do that with art too, and like while you're interviewing. You're just looking at the person but you're like drawing them right and then you sketch a the photorealistic sketch of them and you just put <laughs> put it up and turn it at the end and be like i made this for you while we were talking 
Right, without ever taking my eyes off you. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, I, w- I would be creeped out if somebody did that. I'd be like, I don't want... Do not rank to match. But I could see it uh, attacking the right type of... You know, certain people will be into it. Okay, well, I have a couple more points. And these kind of points are kind of just generalized for the interview, regardless if they're online. So uh, those are ask questions, even if it's an online interview, even if it's a little bit more awkward and, and you're kind of trying to navigate uh, what you can and cannot do. Don't forget to ask questions at the end. Uh, give sincere thanks. Show gratitude. Don't just be like, oh, thank you for your time. Like really express gratitude to the point where um, you can even send the letter at the end. But I, that's my last point is even if it seems more casual, even if you're applying to more places because you don't have to fly everywhere, just because it's less of a hassle for you, it's still a big deal for these programs to send out these invites and to give their time. So yes, say thanks during the interview, even if it's online, even if you're at the comfort of your own house. Um, And then definitely send a letter. It doesn't have to be a handwritten letter, but just an email or something along those lines expressing your gratitude, stating maybe a key point of this interview session or that interview session to kind of make it more personal and show why you'd be a good fit. I think those are all still very important, even in the setting of an online interview landscape. Definitely. If anything, I would argue that those points are probably more important right now, just because more interviews are going out. So programs are going to have to do something to be a little bit more uh, discerning in terms of who they're going to rank to match. So it sounds weird, but I feel like every little bit counts and all things being equal, you know, that letter doesn't take you that much time, but if it's the difference of you matching there or not, sure. Why not? Yep. And we talked about this in, in another episode where we talked about it. It was either about research or um, taking a year off, but it's just all about advocating for yourself and and finding a way to stand out in the sea of thousands and thousands of like-minded people and people that are just as accomplished as you. How do you stand out nowadays? And I think one of those ways is is going above and beyond and, and writing letters and even reaching out to the physicians individually and I did that for my Durham interview at one place. I remember them, a lot of the physicians privately emailed me back and were all very positive. And they, and one even said like, Oh, we just like talked about you during our, um, during our, uh, our closed uh, discussion group, group session. <laughs> and you're, 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 uh, you're doing very well in our eyes. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that felt awesome to hear. So, right. um, well, and again, like we've said before, people are people be personable and it's going to go a long way. Yeah, Definitely. All right, I'll drink to that. Will you actually? How do you like your uh, drink volume? If you had to give it a score out of 10 at this point. I'd say it's like an 8. It's like a seasonal thing. I wouldn't want to drink it year-round, but it's very, uh, I don't know, it reminds me of like the holiday season. So, the eight, An 8 is, the I think, the highest score you've given a, a beer, so that's a quite an accomplishment. Yeah, oh, well, it's a seasonal 8, like a year-round so seven. it's like an eight in winter, but a four in summer. I'd say it's like a six in summer. Summer six. <laughs> like I would drink it begrudgingly during the summer. I wouldn't be super stoked about it, but it's the winter, right. so it's an eight. So I'm stoked. All right. So I guess. So for anyone that's new to our podcast, we put the scores of all these brews and and their websites and kind of what we thought about the brews on our website, buzzwordsmed.com, and so. Now, for this brew, I'm going to have to go in there and create some type of cyclical, like, season pattern so, like, the program knows that, like, when it's summertime. <laughs> right, yeah, just play, the, just play the six during the summer and then the eight during the months of uh, October to December. Yeah, I'm having the spicy piña michelada. I think it's a good beer. 
if it was just a spicy pina but the clamato i forgot what that is and now i like very quickly remembered um, it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's just not for me it's like the tomato juice which i think some people absolutely love it's an acquired taste people are basically raised on it some people so i definitely understand that there's a demographic for this but it's not for me i would not drink this again i can't even drink a couple sips like more like it, you would have to pay me money so so um, what i'm hearing is if you had to put it on a, a scale of one to ten one being the worst beer you've ever had and ten being the best what i can't be? do this yeah <laughs> i it, it would be a one out of ten it's so it's it's um undrinkable i don't, I don't know how, i would rather drink unpasteurized milk from a goat have you done that before no, but I imagine it's not pleasant. What vitamin deficiency would you be at risk of if that was the only type of milk that you drank? Hmm. <laughs> Does goat milk not have iron in it? No, it doesn't have B12. Gotta drink. <laughs> Gotta drink. I'll drink that's to that. A little, that's a little fun fact. <laughs> a 62-year-old goat farmer comes in. <laughs> He's having peripheral neuropathy. What does he have? <laughs> that's a great point. All right. So we said a six or eight out of ten and a one out of ten. So. <laughs> you can give Very it a nice. zero if you want. Yeah, it would be a zero for sure. I'll put a zero so, to one, depending on the season. So if you had a Zoom interview with that beer in terms of uh, for residency, you wouldn't rank it to match, is what you're saying? Oh, would not be would not rank it to match. Would immediately would you uh, call zoom other program directors and be like, "This guy's blacklist him, get him out." No, of here. it's not his fault. It's let other people decide if it's. If it's their flavor, but <laughs> it's just not for me. Yeah. I don't know. My lower esophageal sphincter can't handle Komodo. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. We have a lot of things in the works for y'all. So go on over to buzzwordsmed.com to check out all the things that we have coming out for y'all. As always, we have some stickers here. People have been reaching out on Instagram, which is lovely. So continue doing so, and we'll send you some stickers. Anything else, Bobby? Like and subscribe on wherever you're listening to us now. Awesome. All right, y'all. Have a fantastic day and a great rest of your week. See ya.